Hello, my name is Thomas Davis. I am the minister of Carloway Free Church way up on the Isle of Lewis in the northwest of Scotland. Hello, my name is Andy Longway. I'm the minister of London City Presbyterian Church in the very heart of our nation's capital. And welcome to the Jesus Today podcast. This is episode two, and uh, we have to say that we have been so chuffed and so excited uh, with the response that we've had to our first uh, episodes that went out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Thank you so, so much to everybody uh, who sent in emails, messages uh, of appreciation. It's been really overwhelming, actually. And I don't know about you, Andy, but I've just it's been like, wow, uh, thank you so much to you all for your for your warm response. Absolutely, Thomas. I've been astounded at just how many people have reached out to say thanks. They love the idea of it. And so I just want to say thank you to all of our new listeners. Uh, please spread the word. We'd love many more uh, people to join us in this journey as we seek to help and equip people follow Jesus today as we engage our culture in 2023. So our uh, email address is hello at jesustodaypodcast.com. Twitter, it's Jesus Today Pod, and if you search social media, you'll find us as well. Uh, we've had a big response to the the, the really quite controversial debate that we uh, that we engaged in last time: rap versus run rig. Uh, this has been this has really provoked the the population has come alive with this uh, with this discussion, Andy. It absolutely has, and I think I'm winning. I think most people <laughs> no way you're not winning. You're no. No. I would love, I would love Thomas, because when I said that rap is a form of art and beauty, you totally disagreed, but I'd love it yes. if our listeners could check out Shy Lin and hear just, just the sheer beauty and art that is Christian rap, how he can spit lyrics on the deepest theology of God. <laughs> Well, I guess the theology is good. The theology is very good. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, it's not it's not quite run rigs, not quite empty glens, not quite hearts of old and glory, but it's it's pretty good. And and we have to say, we've been so chuffed with everyone who's responded. Andy did race into an early lead. To begin with, it was all rap, rap, rap. I had my head in my hands, but Runrig have come roaring back, uh, and we, we're so grateful to all you guys who supported us. In fact, I've got a couple of messages to read out here. Uh, hi, Thomas. How are you all? Came across your new podcast and really enjoyed the intro and first episode. Looking forward to the next one. We'll back you to the hilt about Runrig as well. Now, there is a oh, guy come who's wise, on. Andy. That is a good listener, right? <laughs> I got a message from Liz in Edinburgh. Love the new podcast. Listen to it yesterday. Thank you for doing something that's challenging, accessible, and points us to Jesus. Love the encouragement to sit at the feet of Jesus. Thank you, Liz, for that feedback. Another friend of mine got in touch uh, saying, um, uh, Hi, Thomas. Had some excellent content for my commute home tonight. Looking forward to the next one already. And of course... Run rig. There's another wise <laughs> listener right there. Um, these are my this is these are my favorite listeners. They're so good. That's fantastic. And then one final one for me, Thomas. This is from our, our good friend Gabriel in Brazil. Love the podcast. Well done to you and Thomas. I pray this will be a fruitful endeavor. The podcast itself is relevant, surveying contemporary issues and the timeless importance of the gospel. Thanks, Gabriel, for listening, and we look forward to getting more of your feedback. So let's do this again, Andy. Uh, he's right, I'm wrong. This is one of my favourite, this is already one of my favourite features. 
Okay, last time we spoke about music. This time we're going to speak about something maybe a little bit more controversial, something that uh, uh, kind of affects uh, particularly Scotland. Uh, talking about wind farms, right, Andy? What do you think about wind farms? Well, I uh, grew up in Lanarkshire and round about where I live, there are lots of wind farms emerging. Um, I have no problems with wind farms if they are offshore. But... I hate them onshore. And in rural Scotland, I detest them. They destroy the wildlife, the birds and the bats. They are ugly. They are obscene. I love appreciating beauty, God's glorious creation. And then it's ruined by these ginormous wind farms. I also don't think that they are the answer to all of our energy problems. I think, of course, they'll... Uh, they, they cost a lot, I believe, to install and to create, and they take a long while to pay off. So I can't say I'm a fan of onshore wind farms. Andy, this is terrible. You've gone all kind of tree hugger since you went to London. <laughs> this is this is terrible. So I, what, I have a different you? perspective. So my former life before I became a minister was an engineer. So anything like big machines, big, capable, heavy machinery, I love that. And you know, the kind of uh, the planning, the craftsmanship, the achievement of harnessing the wind uh, to, to power our houses. I think that's just amazing. And, and, you know, actually, you look out over the landscape and you see these wind farms, you know, gracefully turning in the wind. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a, a great example of humanity subduing the earth. You know, we're using, you know, the creative power of, of the wind that God's created and we're applying that, harnessing it to heat out houses. Thomas, you're talking a lot of wind. You could power these wind farms. <laughs> um, I'd love to know what our listeners think on wind farms. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yep. Um, they're ruining our landscape. Keep them far away. Put them up. No problem with them far out at sea, but not, not in beautiful Scotland, destroying our landscape. Okay, our big topic for today that we want to think about is one that is is in the news a lot, and it's one that's a big challenge for Christians, uh, has been for the past few years. We're, we're thinking about uh, following Jesus today in, in a culture where there's been so much uh, in terms of a sexual revolution, so much change uh, in terms of uh, what people think uh, in regard to um, LGBT issues and questions about sexuality and all that kind of stuff. It's been in the news with um, with the leadership election for the SNP. It's been in the news with the Church of England and the whole question of blessing gay marriage. And it's becoming an increasing, um, increasingly just live and real issue for us all as we go through life as Christians, as we make friends with neighbours and colleagues uh, who, uh, who are part uh, of that. And it's something that we need to think and talk about well. It's also something that we've maybe... Um, maybe made mistakes on in the past. Mm. And so we want to talk about that issue today and and think about it. Andy and I were chatting about how to start uh, thinking about this topic and uh, it might sound obvious, but we thought actually the best place to start is with Jesus. You know, this podcast is Jesus Today and we really want to centre all of our thoughts on him. He's the one who uh, we trust in. He's the one who we believe is God, we worship and follow. And as we think about um, how we engage our neighbours 
Um, I've heard it said a lot that from non-Christian neighbours that they think we Christians obsess over sex and sexuality. And more often than not, what they mean by that is that we're obsessed with judging other people on the basis of their sexuality. Mm. And someone who's really helped my thinking a lot is, is a dear friend of mine. If I ever say anything good, it's probably come from him first, uh, Robert Cunningham. I once mm. heard him give a an exposition of John 8, uh, where there's a woman caught in adultery and the Pharisees uh, bring her out to stone her uh, to death in accordance with the law of Moses. And Robert highlighted that Jesus's fiercest rebuke in the Gospels we see time and time again was to those who were insiders, religious insiders, that is, uh, and not outsiders. Those who shared his sexual mm. ethics, if you like, those who agreed with him, uh, even on biblical doctrines. Jesus mm -hmm. started with his fiercest rebuke aimed at them. So there's a scene they're about to pick up stones and stone her because she's been caught in adultery. And Jesus says, let him with no sin cast the first stone. And, you know, there's a tendency within uh, religious people and it's that we do judge others. We compare others in light of mm -hmm. God's law or even in light of ourselves and how we live. And Jesus says, hold on a minute. If you've got no sin, you can throw a stone and what happens is one by one, yeah. all the re religious leaders need to drop their stones because Jesus exposes them as those who fall short of God's law. They are not just uh, mm. sinners, but they've, they've all, we've all fallen short in terms of our own uh, sexuality. And so there's this amazing moment where Jesus is left, left standing with this woman because he's the perfect son of God. And he says to her, who yeah. condemns you? There's no one there. Now, Jesus is there and he's got the right mm -hmm. to condemn her because he is perfect. And he says, neither do I uh, go and sin no more. Well, if we start with what Jesus says, his fiercest rebuke is towards us. We are those who, just like our, our neighbors mm -hmm. in this world, are guilty of sexual sin. We fall short of God's standard. Hence the reason we need Jesus, the perfect son of God who came to save yeah. us and transform us. Um, now, I added to that, Jesus' last words to the women were, go and sin no more. So Jesus does have a word to speak, both to us as Christians mm -hmm. and to our culture, to say that there is a way in which he wants us to live, thrive and flourish in his ways. And it's in, in obedience to his created design um, for, for marriage and even for singleness and sexuality. Yeah. I think that's so so crucial and, and you know what you said there Andy so so real that this is how you know we're viewed as a church I remember when my son went to high school um in Edinburgh and someone asked him if he was a Christian and he said yes and the next thing they said was so that means you hate gay people mm. and it was like man that was you know that was just the instant conclusion was that Christian means gay people hater um which and my son you know really wisely said no absolutely not uh, and I think that you know that that's the challenge that we face that that's how we're perceived. Love what you said there about how Jesus dealt with that that woman. Another passage in the Gospels that I find really helpful on this is Matthew chapter nineteen, uh, because in that passage you know Jesus speaks speaks about marriage, and he speaks about uh, speaks about in the context of divorce, and you know he he does come back to the fact that you know God God's mandated. Um, 
plan for humanity is marriage between a man and a woman, you know, from Genesis 1 uh, and 2 all the way onwards. But what's really interesting is that that then in that passage, he goes on and he speaks about people who don't actually fit into that category. And in particular, in that context, he talks about eunuchs, um, which is you know not something we really get nowadays. But but you know the, the yeah. point is that they were people who did not fit into the guy meets girl, they get married, they live happily ever, ever after. They didn't fit into that into that framework, and they were never going mm. to. And Jesus speaks with so much care and sensitivity, and just recognizes that that actually it's it's all a lot more complex than than just the black and white categories that we yeah. sometimes have and that that i think i don't know i don't know what you think andy but um i think that's a mistake that i've made over the years as a christian like i've just been really like on issues like this and i think probably especially this one i've been just just failing to recognize and i just tend to look at things black and white and you're like oh, okay this this is something that we don't agree with and you know somebody uh says they're same-sex attracted, somebody, um, you know, identifies as as, as, as uh, part of the LGBT people. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, like, historically, I would have just sort of thought like, oh, oh they're, they're bad. Um, and mm-hmm. I, like, I think the thing that, that has really struck me is that that's a failure of me to take mm-hmm. my theology into this situation. Um, yeah. Because you know, like you were saying, actually, you know, we're all sinners. We're all we're all bad in that sense, next to yeah. God. Um, but actually, wherever we are, we're also, um, you know, everybody made in the image of God, precious. And actually, there's also something so wonderful about uh, uh, about all the people that we meet, whatever their sexuality uh, might be. So I definitely think that you know, over the years, I've been far too black and white, um, and yeah. uh, I think that we've maybe made the same mistake as churches. Thomas, that's, that's so true. And, and like you, I think I've failed in this area of loving and thinking thoughtfully and compassionately about um, neighbours who we disagree even just on, say, our, our worldview when it comes to sexuality and sex ethics. Um, I love the Bible because where it starts, it starts in Genesis with us made in the image of God. That means every single person who lives on this earth is um, made in to reflect God's image made with dignity, value, and worth. Now, there is the reality of Genesis 3, the fall, that we are all we're all sinful by nature and, and by deed. I think the one of the things that's happened, especially in light of even my own thinking and development with uh, how, how do we love our, our, our neighbours, is there's been a whole culture war going on since even the, the, the revolution that was equal mm. marriage back in 2014 and 2013, where Christians at that point would mm-hmm. have said that they were on the other side of the argument, arguing that, you know, we believe marriage is between a yeah. man and a woman. And so at that time, perhaps uh, there was a lot of discussions that were cold and clinical and did not have both mm-hmm. the heart or the care or the compassion of Jesus. And that's where we've been caught out and found wanting really with our, 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 our love. I think one thing has happened in where the culture has kind of discipled us and it's we've unwittingly embraced a worldview that is is far removed from scripture and it's that our identity as I just said there is that we're image bearers but what's happened is take mm-hmm. our, our, our neighbors and the LGBT uh, people that they their um sexual orientation preference 
has become their identity. Um, and, and that means that when you speak mm -hmm. then in conversation, anything you say is a real insult because you're attacking the person for who they are. Whereas the Bible doesn't mm -hmm. actually say that our identity is in, in um, our sexuality. Our identity is in the fact that we are human beings made to reflect and uh, know God. And so I think one of the yeah. biggest challenges of, of just, just loving and speaking well is First of all, being really clear that we love our neighbours because of who they are. Um, Christ commands us to love our neighbour. Christ commands us to see them as image bearers um, of dignity, value and worth. But then there is this challenge, this tension where Christ says his plan as the creator of the world, the sustainer of the world, the redeemer of the world and the judge of the world is he's made us to flourish either in the context of marriage or living out a single life. Um, mm -hmm. and he does mm -hmm. not affirm um, a same-sex lifestyle, for example. I think that is a, a real tension. I don't know if you. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a huge tension, and and you know, I think that I think I think one of the things that you know has perhaps led us to have been too uh, too black and white, too harsh in this is that you know for, for a long time, uh, you know, LGBT people and and all that emphasis was kind of a slightly distant opponent for want of a better word and when somebody's distant it's really easy to throw stones at them it's really easy to kind of mm. criticize them um what i think has actually been really good for us as a church good for me as an individual is actually just to have friends like really good friends people i love and admire who who are part of that that um mm. that people uh and who are in same-sex relationships and 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 just navigating that that situation where you like you say you know you'd you know you recognize that what you know the, what they're choosing to do in, in terms of their their relationship is 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 outside the boundaries that we feel God has set for us, you know, as as lots of things are, you know, um, but actually, you know, there's still people that we we can we can have really strong, meaningful uh, friendships with, and I think that's such an important thing. Um, I'm going to go a bit nerdy on you all. Um, uh, one of my favourite writers is a guy called William Cunningham. If you've never heard of him, do not worry, nobody's heard of him. Um, but he was a, a professor. Um, about 170 years ago uh, in Edinburgh, legend of a man, but nobody's heard of him. But he he's got a, he said something that I've never forgotten, and that I think is really helpful. He said that, you know, when you're discussing questions of theology, um, or issues you know that you face in the church or whatever, he says there's two massive things you have to have. You have to have a firm adherence to truth, and you have to have a tender regard for the person that you disagree with. And I mm. think that's so so helpful. And um, you know that that yeah we we hold on to 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 biblical truth firmly really firmly but we do that with our tenderness and a care towards yeah. the person that we disagree with and so often we do one or the other you know we hold on That's to right. truth and we sacrifice tenderness or we pursue tenderness but we we uh, we compromise on truth i just love that quote where he says Adherence mm. to truth, tender that's regard to the person that you disagree with, and I'm I'm looking at myself thinking that that's how I want to be because that's how Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, that's a great quote and captures it so well. So Thomas, we've been thinking about how we think about this issue, like issue at that level. What about some thoughts on how we engage um, with the gospel with our our neighbours who are LGBT or who struggle yeah, with sexuality? I think that's that's just yeah, that's what we what we need. It's that kind of advice that we need. 
I think one of the things that's really important is we, we possibly need to be, be be ready to change the way that we think about things. And I think this applies to any issue that we're facing, uh, you know, when, when the culture around us is different to um, the uh, the different to what the Bible is teaching. Um, often our instinctive reaction is just to be like, oh, this is bad. They're my enemies. And let's kind of draw the battle lines. Um, that's not really got the kind of appropriate nuance that that scripture presents to us. Because like you were saying, Andy, the first thing we make, first thing we learn about humanity uh, in Genesis 1 is that we're all made in the image of God. Second thing we learn about humanity is that we've fallen and we're broken in sin. And that kind of mixture of, of, of beautiful image bearers and broken sinners affects every single part of life. And what that means is that you can look at any part of life, any, any part of life, and you can see things that are good and you can see things that are not good. And then you can also, when you look at Jesus, you can see why his gospel is better. And I find that mm -hmm. framework, you know, good, not so good, better, a really, mm -hmm. really helpful way of looking at this issue and, and other issues. Because, you know, for example, you, you look at, at um, you know, let's take a, a, a pride march, you know, I think sometimes Christians would, would automatically think, you know, that's, that's a bad thing that should be stopped. You know, we shouldn't have that. Um, Interestingly, you know, we actually we actually wouldn't argue that as theologians. Uh, one of my favourite writers uh, is Donald MacLeod, and he's got a fantastic quote in one of his latest books uh, called "Therefore the Truth I Speak," where he says, you know, he looks at how Christians in history have, um, you know, actually kind of oppressed people who've disagreed, and he said, no, no, we don't do that. He said, we mm -hmm. we claim the right to be able to proclaim the gospel. We therefore defend the right for other people to say something different. And and he actually yeah. says in the book. Uh, the church leaves space for pride marches. And I, I totally agree with him. I think that's a really, really helpful point. And so let's take take a pride march, you know, like what's good in that? There's something good in that. And, mm -hmm. you know, what you've got there is you've got lots of people coming together. You've got a, a situation where people, you know, aren't, they're not judging one another because they're actually all very different. They're coming from lots of different perspectives. They're uniting together um, on for a cause that they see as, as worthwhile. They're providing support, encouragement, help to one another. Now, you know, I, I'm always careful that, you know, I'm not, not saying it's all fine. I'm not saying that, you know, but but I am saying, look, that, that is something that's good in that. You know, you've got, mm. you've got people coming together and you can see why people are drawn to that because there is something attractive and captivating about that community uh, that, that can be built around any issue, whatever it might be. Yeah. I don't know, what yeah. do you think? Really like that good, not so good, better framework and yeah there is so much good and Don McLeod is absolutely right we we must um if we want the right to proclaim the gospel we must defend the right of others to uh, be able to to have their mm. opinion and express that and 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 uh, he's he's absolutely right there uh, one one of the things that I, I think I've learned even as a result of pride protests is one of the things that is wrong and we must even call it out as a sin is homophobia transphobia all of that is wrong Mm. Fearing someone or demeaning mm -hmm. someone on the basis of their sexuality, that is a sin. Yeah. And that's one area that I think we Christians have been found wanting at times, the way that we've spoken, the way that mm -hmm. we've treated in the past. Um, and so if there's any good, it's it's actually helped shape our thinking and remind that's us. That's amazing. I, I want to tell you a wee story about that. She just came to my yeah. mind. I remember 20 years ago as a young Christian, 22 years ago as a young Christian, uh, sitting in Stornoway, listening to a professor at the Free Church College uh, talking about, you know, how we engage with society. And 
And, you know, this is this was a long time ago. Um, and he said then, he said, any homophobia is wrong. Mm. And and like I'm embarrassed to say I was sitting there thinking, oh, I thought it was quite a good thing. <laughs> it was just like awful, awful to have thought that, mm. you know. And but it was like, whoa, he's actually here's a professor in the Free Church of Scotland saying homophobia is wrong to to yeah. do exactly what you've said. And and I think that you know we we've we've made the mistake of not listening to the wisdom of of a, of that. He was an old man then saying that, and yet he was absolutely right to say what he said. Yeah. Then Thomas just going to their next thought of the not so good, and I think this goes back to a point I was, you know, trying to highlight earlier was the biggest challenge that we face as um, LGBT people want us to aff- not just to to be nice, kind, and loving towards them. They want us mm. to affirm and celebrate that which God says mm. is sin, and. That's yeah. a real challenge. And I think one of the things we're even seeing played out in our culture right now is that um, when you do not affirm it, when you do not celebrate it, they want to cancel you. They want to um, mm-hmm. remove you from life in the public square. And I yep. think that's really challenging that we cannot, it feels like today we cannot uh, exist with our biblical orthodoxy following Jesus without the culture saying, well, we don't think uh, you should be involved mm-hmm. in, in, in life at the centre of the culture. What, what, what do you think is not so good? Or would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think I think that actually is kind of the uh, one of the one of the huge ironies in this issue that actually, you know, a movement that that, you know, historically has been a plea for tolerance and acceptance mm. is now at the point where, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's not prepared to show tolerance certainly you know you see that at a kind of media level you know if you if you if you you know if you speak um and i mean i'm I, you know i know that both you and i you know in saying everything that we're saying today you know there's going to be people on either side of the argument who think that we're we're compromising too much to the other side and i think mm. that that's that's part of the issue that um you know people uh are 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 pretty intolerant um you know of, of one another on both sides of this argument and i think that's a real um a real concern and uh you know it comes back to to what i think donald mcleod wrote so wisely that you know when we are when we're claiming you can't claim free speech without also giving it yeah and that's that's the the danger that that we're just not uh not willing uh to do that and that if we speak out as christians as we follow jesus today we've got to be ready to speak but to speak with that firm adherence to truth and a tender regard to our, our opponent, because um, I think that that it's 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 very very easy to cancel somebody who's been horrible, but you know if we're speaking with 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 nuance, with care, but with clarity, um, mm. I think that puts us in a better position to actually engage uh, engage well. And I think it's also important to say that I think sometimes you know what is presented, uh, maybe nationally, what's presented in terms of the media, that that proneness to cancel um, doesn't I don't think reflect your everyday person uh who who, who yeah. would, would align themselves with with lgbt people i think actually most most everyday people actually are really happy to to think and talk and i think people people i know you know who have discussed this with would would actually you know 
would say to me, you know, yeah, I actually totally respect your your, your views, even though I don't agree with them. And I think that's like that's the right place for the conversation to start. The the intolerant stuff is uh, is is not good. Another thing though comes back to what what you know we're talking about kind of what's not so good. I want to pick up again something that you said, Andy, that I thought was really uh, important. That you know this idea that that our our sexuality becomes so crucial to our identity. Now this came home to me really powerfully um, with something I saw in the news a couple of years ago. Uh, this was actually talking about somebody who I think was was a heterosexual, um, but it just emphasises the fact that this connection between sexuality and identity was so uh, has is so dominant in our society. This was somebody who had taken their own life. And, and he'd left a note explaining why he had done it. What had happened was he, about nine months earlier, he had had to had surgery. Um, and the result of the surgery was that he had lost his sex drive. And uh, that, had, that had meant that you know, he, he, he no longer was able to, um, you know, basically have sex and, and he'd lost his sex drive. And in his suicide note, um, he said, I died nine months ago. And his idea was that 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 when that operation had gone wrong and it had left him the way he was, he said that was when I died. And so when mm. he took his own life, he was just kind of finishing the job that had been started. And I kind of thought, man, that's so tragic because you know to 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 tie your identity to that so tightly, um, I thought was was tragic, and and really stands in contrast to the better story that the mm. gospel offers. Um, and that's, I think, what, what I want us to try and get to when we're talking about this whole issue, that the, the gospel offers us something better. So mm. you think about the, the you know, the, the pride marches, that kind of um, movement. They're uniting together against what they feel is a common opponent, those who've oppressed them and, and those who actually have oppressed them. But as a humanity, we we have a much, much bigger common opponent our big opponent is sin and death. And Jesus, Jesus is calling us all into a family that 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 is opposed to that enemy. And it's it's a family that that brings in people from all backgrounds, all uh, all races, all nations, all classes, and united together against that opponent, the, the, the one that actually hangs over us all, the one that actually destroys mm. people's lives and it separates loved ones and brings us into a a, a new uh, just a new hope, um, a new community that he is building where our identity is not grounded in our sexuality or our jobs or our class or our status or our race or anything. It's grounded in the fact that he loves us and he has died for mm. us and he has amazing plans for us. And for me, that is what makes the gospel so much better and and uh, what makes the gospel everything that we need. Amen. Thomas, when you were saying that story about, you know, that boy, I actually got a bit emotional because... As I was hearing his reason for, um, yeah, why he took his life, it hit, it hit me that even in my own thinking, um, not that long ago, I used to think that, uh, that, that to be human and truly fulfilled, you, you need to have your sex drive you need to you, you know you you get married mm -hmm. you have children you, mm -hmm. you you find pleasure in sex but i think that's another where where our culture has discipled us um mm -hmm. our sexuality is not um something that needs to find that fulfillment and so we think of someone like jesus mm -hmm. and he's god but mm -hmm. he, he was never married 
but he was perfect and he was truly fulfilled. There's yeah. a, a gospel shaped sexuality where you, you actually don't need that um, relationship. And, and maybe Jesus mm -hmm. is a bad illustration because he's perfect God, but throughout the scriptures, we think of the apostle Paul and many others who, who um, yeah, absolutely. They absolutely. did not need yeah. to find um, their life's fulfillment in, in, in sexuality. And, and I suppose that, that then leads us to, as you were just, you just so, so wonderfully explained as the, the gospel is what Jesus has come to accomplish for us, the better story. And I think one of the, the better realities is when we get a grasp of hold of our sexual identity, our sexual desires, it's not the essence of who we are. It's not what actually truly makes us human or fulfills us yeah. in that sense, is that it actually points us to the story of Christ who came to um, defeat our enemy, who loves us completely because he wants to be wed to us for the rest of eternity. I know I said Jesus in one sense was never married and said, uh, in the, to find that fulfillment. But there is the gospel story yep. that, that the mystery of the gospel is that Christ loves his people um, like a husband as a bride mm. and uh, with a groom. And, and that is, yeah, that is just incredible um, when you, you start to plumb the depths of the good news of Christianity. Yeah, I think we talk about what, you know, talk about people being affirmed, people mm. being accepted, people being respected, people being valued. The ultimate statement of affirmation humanity is the cross because mm. that is telling you that 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 you're worth dying for like that is how precious you are to jesus yeah. and i think that that is where we find you know just a fulfillment and a worth and a wholeness that that we're chasing in all sorts of different things whether it's in relationships or in work or status or whatever i've chased it in all the wrong places and yeah. I'm sure you have too, we all have, but you come back to the cross. It is like the ultimate statement of, of, of affirming how precious individual humans are, how precious the collective human family is. And that just makes the gospel amazing. It's just it amazing does, you know, what, God is, uh, yeah. what God's done for us in Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so... We need to take this though to a practical level um, because this is a very real issue that we face day to day. So Andy, this Sunday, your church service starts and a same-sex couple walk in. What do you do? Yeah, if a gay couple walked into our church, Thomas, I, I trust that I would treat them as I treat everyone else um, with love, respect and kindness. I don't even think I would ever ask them about their sexuality. I would love to get to know their story, um, who they are, what they do, mm -hmm. um, their loves, their interests, their passions. I'd hope that I could invite them back into our home for a meal. We love to do hospitality in our church and I'd love to just uh, share in a meal and get to know them and, and love them better. Now, I, I do appreciate that, you know, in all of our walks of life, you think of someone in, in different country or mm. different things. It would be easy in some yeah. ways in a conversation to other someone because there's something different about them. And so I suppose yeah. um, we, we, we as Christians, we, we face challenges that sometimes we we lack experience of speaking and getting to know others who are different from us because we either we're mm. sheltered or we live in our own bubble yeah. um i think in a city like london many people who in their workplaces and offices and even within their own family and friend networks are probably have lots of friends who are gay and, and so on and so forth and so it throws up even greater mm. questions and more difficult questions like thomas maybe a question for you is you've got a friend who's gay and they're getting married, do you go to their wedding as a Christian? 
That is not an easy question, Andy, and yet it's one that is really real because it's one that um, that many of us are going to face, and I'm sure probably lots of people have faced it already. I think it's a question where I can actually see both sides of the discussion. So I know that some people might respond to that question thinking, no, definitely not, you shouldn't go, um, whereas others would be like, well, yeah, absolutely, you should go. I think that um, that I can actually see both sides of the the, the discussion. So um, for the person who might say, you know, no, I'm, I'm not comfortable going there, I, I can totally see why somebody would come to that decision and, and a big part of me does sympathise with that. In fact, I think it's really good to highlight that if you look online, you'll find some really helpful articles on both sides of this discussion. And so you look on Gospel Coalition or um, looking up living out resources, you know, you'll see just really well articulated arguments uh, on both sides. And I've honestly, over the, you know, over recent times, found myself sometimes thinking no, sometimes thinking yes. And and whenever I listen to the arguments, I think, you know, that there's good points made on all sides. One of the big arguments used, you know, by those who would say not, not to go is the argument that by going, you are, um, you know, you might say that you're not agreeing, but you're actually kind of publicly endorsing what's happening. And, you know, it's very hard to actually detach your opinion on something uh, from how that's perceived uh, from what people might look at. And I think that that's, you know, that is a fair and, and strong argument. I think I think maybe the, the, the question mark I have against that um, is, you know, how do we apply that to other parts of life? So, you know, I, I would definitely want to be able to invite uh, a same-sex couple to my home for a meal. Um, you know, is 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 that kind of a giving an outward endorsement in the same way that going to a wedding would? I just don't know where you kind of draw the lines on that kind of argument. So I totally think it's a strong argument, but also um, I can absolutely see the other side of that argument. And, and you know, people would argue and say, um, you know, why... Why pick that the thing that you don't identify yourself with? And you know, you 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 could sort of say, well, actually, there's a whole ton of areas of life that we will things that we we'll maybe go to, um, but actually, there's aspects of that we don't agree with, um, really don't agree with in terms of a, a a biblical ethic. So it's really really complicated, and I see the challenges on on both sides of the argument. I think alongside that, you know, if you think of somebody who is same sex attracted, um, you know, going to uh, a wedding or their, maybe their minister, like me, if I was their minister, going to uh, to a gay wedding, um, you know, that might be hard for them to think, well, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm staying single. I'm trying to, to honour what I think is the biblical ethic, even though that, that that's a struggle for me. Um, you know, I think it's definitely the case that it could be, uh, you know, could be insensitive to, to somebody in that situation to just be like, oh yeah, I'll go, no problem. At the same time, though, you know, I can also see the argument that says, you know, well, if you, um, you know, if we were willing to go to a humanist wedding, um, you know, so that's one that's that's conducted by by somebody who would deny the the very existence of God, um, you know, if we were okay with that, then uh, you do wonder, you know, well, well, you know, it's probably a bit inconsistent to say, you know, well, I would go to that, but I wouldn't go to uh, a gay wedding. I think for me, the key thing in all of this is actually, um, you know, if somebody is your friend and they're in a same-sex relationship and they're going to be getting married, one of the absolutely key things is is that we've actually spoken to them um, before 
um, you know, before this question ever comes up. And I think that conversation so that they know where we stand is crucial either way, whether you whether you decide to go to the wedding or you decide to not go. So if you decide that you're not going to go, then, you know, if, if you've never had the conversation before, then it's really going to come out of the blue. And, um, you know, I think it would really put your friendship at risk. And I think that that would be, that would be a real shame. And so, you know, it would have, if it's so important that you know if if they actually do understand your position um it means that you know that if you don't go um then then they're going to know why you you don't go and i think that conversation will be important likewise the same is true if you do go um you know because if you if you've already explained your position they're going to know that that if you do go to the wedding um you know you're not you're not actually necessarily agreeing well no, you're you're not agreeing with with the concept of gay marriage but yet you still want to be there because they're your friend and you want to show that you know you care about them even though you don't um you know agree with 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 everything that that's being done it's such a difficult thing to balance but i think that you know if, if there isn't that prior conversation um so that that our friends are aware of our position and yet still that we love them then i think that you know there's a huge risk of 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 our position being confused and it looked like it looking like we are endorsing something that we're not. So I guess all of that means to say that, you know, I I can actually understand the decisions taken on both sides of this discussion. If somebody was to say, look, I'm I'm not comfortable going to a wedding, I I, I totally get that. I think that's okay. But I also actually think that, you know, there are there is a basis to be able to say, um, you know, I actually do want to go, um, even though I don't don't agree with with the concept of same-sex marriage i do want to go um and and my friend is aware of my position and i'm going to support them as a friend uh, and to share um what's a big part of their lives so it's a really difficult one and it's one of these decisions where i can just um i can see and understand both sides and i think i would i would support um and understand uh, a christian taking either decision in that context So, Thomas, one of the joys of our podcast is we're sponsored by Christian Focus Publications. We're so grateful to them and uh, their sponsorship of this podcast. There's a book recommendation we have for our listeners this week. Uh, Thomas, do you want to do the plug? Yeah, thanks, Andy. The book I want to recommend is called uh, Pride, uh, Identity and Worship of Self by Matthew Roberts. Now, when I picked up that book, I thought it was all about pride, like uh, the sin of kind of thinking too much of ourselves and uh, basically kind of forcing God out of our own uh, our own lives, but actually, it's 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 actually about you know pride as in the the uh, the the brand given to um, you know the marches and the movement uh, all around uh, LGBT people, and it was a fascinating book to read. Often my uh, my judgment over whether or not a book is good or not or helpful is if I read something and I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought of that before. That's really helpful. And that happened to me reading this book. And it happened on one particular area that, that I think the book does really, really well. Um, it comes back to what we were saying about, about you know, how we define our identity. And the book is saying that, you know, it's a mistake for us to define our identity according to 
our sexuality. And you know, we're we're here as two two heterosexual guys. We're both married. We both got kids. You know, we can actually fall into the same trap of actually kind of really tying our identity to that as well. Mm-hmm. And the book is saying, you know, you it's a mistake to do that. And because our identity is actually in Christ. And one of the the practical applications that the book makes in that regard, which I thought was so helpful, was saying that that if you have somebody who is same sex attracted, the answer is not to make them heterosexual. Hmm. And he was saying, because that's just doing exactly the same thing. You're saying, you know, if somebody says my identity is in my same sex attraction and you say, okay, to fix that, you need to become attracted to the opposite sex. You're just doing exactly the same thing. You're saying your identity is all about who you're attracted to. And he's Hmm. saying that's, that's a mistake. And, and so I thought he gives really, really helpful critique of this whole idea of like converting people from same-sex attraction to opposite-sex attraction as though that's the cure. I thought that was really, really good and helpful and and a perceptive because the answer is to find our identity in Jesus. So I find the book really, really helpful uh, on that regard. One one tiny thing I would say is that the book is the book's quite hard-hitting in its tone. Um, which is both a strength and maybe something that, that some people, some readers might find difficult. So I just wanted to sort of say that, that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tone of it is, is um, it's quite punchy in some, some of what it says, which, which, you know, makes it a captivating read. Um, it might be that, you know, for some people, I mean, I'm, I'm a total softy, like I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of president of the International Federation of Niceness. Uh, so, you know, if there's a, if there's a, <laughs> If it's a bit punchy, I'm always a wee bit like, oh, maybe that's a bit too strong. But, you know, for some people, that's actually really what can make it a compelling read. So just, you know, with that note, I would just sort of make people aware of that. But the perceptions, especially about that whole idea of identity, how it affects us as heterosexuals, as well as it affects people with same-sex attraction, we're actually all in the same boat. And and the answer for us all is to find Jesus. So on that note, I, you know, I thoroughly recommend the book. Thank you very much, Thomas, for that helpful uh, review. I'm looking forward to buying and reading that book by Matthew Roberts. And thank you to you, all of our listeners. Uh, We realise that today's conversation has probably raised a lot of questions or thoughts in your mind. We would love to hear your feedback and to continue this conversation. You can email us at hello at jesustodaypodcast.com. You can tweet at jesustodaypod and find us elsewhere on social media by searching for Jesus Today Podcast. As you know, this is a fortnightly podcast. Our next episode is with a good friend and special guest, Joe Bernard. He's a minister in Edinburgh, and he's going to be uh, talking to us about engaging life in a digital age. And we're looking forward to plugging one of his new books, and we might have some giveaways. So join us for our next episode. Thank you for listening today. Thank you.